0: Welcome to the teaching ministry at Magnolia's First. We hope the next few minutes will help you take your next steps on your faith journey. And we would love to help you take those next steps. Just head over to m1bc.org and fill out the Connect form, and a pastor will get in touch with you very soon. Or you can text us at 281-343-3033. Well, good morning. Good morning. I'm going to do my very best to stay up here because I'm afraid about going off-world. I'm gonna tell you, this is gonna be a great week. Really looking forward to it. I noticed we already had one planet that had a little bit of an orbital issue. (laughs) It happens. But we have so much to be grateful for as we come into this week with Vacation Bible School. I appreciate the heart of this church, how you very quickly responded to the, to the water needs and grateful for that. Also, just very mindful that as we think about what is going to happen this week, I'm going to ask you every morning, every morning, pray a prayer that on that day, A child who doesn't understand the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ can hear it in a way that they can hear and understand how much Jesus loves them. We want every child to walk from this place knowing that God loves them, that he has a plan and a purpose for their life, and that he has an intentionality about who they are, and that they are valuable and they are special to God. And so I thank all of you that are volunteering, and I'm looking forward to seeing you tomorrow morning. And I know we're going to have a great time this week in Vacation Bible School. I had somebody ask me earlier today basically this Are you more excited about Vacation Bible School or Sunday? And my answer is yes. So we're just going to have a great time, and it's a, it's just a huge opportunity to be able to love on children and to uh, make an impact into families. Now this morning we are continuing in our message series on "Tell Me the Story." Now we are having a emphasis on Christmas in July, and you probably have seen a card like this, or you saw the slide on the screen about the 318 Project. I'm going to ask you to do the best you can to bring those supplies and be part of this because this is an important collection as we move toward that work in December in particular. And so in honor of that, we are looking today at a message in Matthew chapter one, and our message is illustrated by Evan Fleener, daughter of Daniel and Kara, great picture of the family. Would y'all like to say thank you to Evan for me? Amen, amen. Amen. And so we're going to be, in Matthew chapter 1, we're going to be looking at the coming birth of Jesus. But as we do it, as we look at it, I want to ask you to do something with me today, and that is, can we look at a character that very often doesn't get a lot of attention in the birth of Christ? Because when you talk about the Christmas story, very often we talk a lot about Mary, we talk a lot about the baby Jesus, maybe the shepherds or the wise men, But very often we don't spend a lot of time just pausing and asking this question. Who is the kind of person that God would select to walk alongside Jesus as his earthly father? And here's what you need to hear. I mean, hear this. God always chooses character over position. He went to a carpenter. He went someone that was in the line of David, someone that would be able to say that, yes, that there was priestly blood, that there was that option. But I want you to hear that God always looks at your heart and at your character when he's determining how he can use your life. And some people start their whole life with this idea that I am limited. I'm limited because of my Education, or I'm limited because of my gender, or I'm limited because of my ethnicity, I'm limited because of the way that I grew up, I'm limited for this reason or that reason, here's what you need to hear. God is never limited when your life is fully yielded to him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the days that are in front of us, and we pray that as we we look into your word in Matthew 1 and the chapters that follow, that, God, that we would be able to see from the life of Joseph things that we can learn, that we can embrace, and that we can realize that you have a plan for us and that, God, that we can choose whether or not our character is becoming more and more like Jesus. For we pray it in the holy and precious name of Jesus. Amen. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, he didn't want to expose her to public disgrace or to shame. So, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, I want you to think about all that's happening inside those verses, short verses, but there's a whole lot of movement. And here's what you need to know about Joseph. Joseph, just like you, had hopes and dreams. And I promise you that Joseph, as he grew up, he thought about who would be the kind of person that one day I would marry. And you know, as I have walked with people through marital counseling, premarital counseling in particular, and as I talk to every groom that I've talked to about knowing and valuing their life, their wife rather, I have never had one groom that said, you know, she's almost good enough for me. Not one. I mean, I've had a lot of them say, I can't believe she said yes. And after I spent time with them, I couldn't either. But the reality is, is that there's just this sense of hope and hunger that I married someone that has great value. is precious. And that they love me. That they love me with all their heart. And if you were to look at the average Jewish wedding at this time, you would look at it and you would see parts of it that look very familiar to you. And then there would be parts of it you would go, I didn't know that. Or that seems a little bit odd. So, for instance, the two families would come together and they would agree upon the union. And then they would decide what the bridal price would be. Because there was the expectation that the groom's family was going to pay an amount of money to the bride's family as a way of showing honor and respect. The announcement would be made, they'd be betrothed or pledged together, and in that engagement, like might be similar to today, the difference is it was far, far more binding. Because when that public announcement came for betrothal, even though the couple was not officially married yet, the only way for you to break an engagement was through an annulment or a divorce. Because you were viewed by the community as being inside that marital covenant, the beginning of it. And during that time, for about a year, The couple would live separately with each other's families. The groom would be taking that opportunity to prepare the home that they would have, to prepare for the feast that they would enjoy, to prepare for the party for when he received his bride. But also, during that one year, it was a way of demonstrating and testing the purity of the bride so that there could be no doubt that any child from this union is his child. And that she was a person of honor coming from a family with honor, and that she was honorable in character in all ways. The couple, while bound together, would not have union together. That would come later. And when they came, it would be a surprise. Because the bridegroom would announce his intentions of coming and he might just knock on the door and say, it's time for a wedding. Get your stuff. Let's go. Now, I have it on good authority that most men are smart enough to know surprising her is not always a good idea. So I'm guessing a friend told a friend, told a friend, it's happening, you better get ready. It may have been just a 10-minute warning or a 30-minute warning, but if he was gonna have a happy marriage, he would be careful about just surprising. And it was to this custom that Jesus reached to as a metaphor about his own return because when people said, Jesus, how will we know when you're going to come back? This is what Jesus said in Matthew 25, 1 and 13. At that time in the kingdom of heaven, it'll be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. And the bridegroom was a long time in coming. And they all became drowsy and asleep at midnight. The cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. And then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some oil for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later, the others also came and said, Sir, sir, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. And Jesus wanted them to understand that just like when there was a wedding feast for this family, as they gathered together, that those who were ready and prepared would be the ones that would be welcomed in. But those who did not prepare, those who were not ready, those whose lives had not made that commitment, would find themselves on the outside looking in. And Jesus would say to us today, I give you sign after sign, teaching after teaching to be aware of this. I may be gone, but one day I'm coming back. One day I'm coming. One day I'm coming. Be ready. But I want you to think for just a moment about Joseph because I want you to think about what we read just a moment ago and that the woman that he loved, The woman that he dreamed about, the woman that he hoped for, the woman that when he met Mary, he knew, I found her. She's the one. Was found to be with child. Don't rush past that moment in Joseph's life. Because I'm going to tell you, when he found out that Mary was with child, He knew one thing for sure. It's not mine. If you don't think at that moment that his heart wasn't crushed, don't you know at that moment his heart was full of disappointment and hurt and anguish? Because it wasn't just a piece of information. It was his life dominoing down to what he never thought it would be and in nothing by his choice. In Matthew 19, it says, Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, but he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him to do and took Mary home as his wife, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he gave, he gave him the name Jesus So what can I learn from Joseph? What can I learn from inside this story? Well, let me give you a couple of thoughts. The very first one is this. Joseph, Joseph was right with God. And the the reason I bring up that word right with God is sometimes we talk about people needing to Get right with God. And a lot of times when we talk about getting right with each other, we're talking about that there's a barrier between us and how do we deal with that barrier, how do we respond to that. But literally the word that is used here about Joseph is that Joseph was somebody whose walk in life, whose character, whose attitudes, whose thought, whose obedience to God demonstrated a life of righteous choices. He was right with God. Because remember what we said earlier about character? God always chooses character. And he's looking for that character. And he wants that character to be built into our lives. It's the same phrase that's used about Zachariah and Elizabeth, the, the parents of John the Baptist, that they were a righteous couple, even though they were childless and the, and the culture might have condemned them as questioning whether or not that they were actually right with God because if they were right with God, wouldn't they have the blessing of children? And that is clearly not the case. But in spite of what others might think, they walked with integrity. Joseph's life was in alignment with the heart of the father. Jesus was asked one time, what's the most important commandment? What's the most important thing that I need to know? And his response in Mark 12, 28 was this, that when one of the teachers of law came and heard the debate, he noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked, of all the commandments, which one's the most important? And Jesus said, the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord Our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And Joseph was someone that lived that life. Someone that loved God with all his heart and loved his neighbor and wanted to see God's work on earth be fulfilled. And he had the character and the commitment to be faithful to what God told him to do. What can I learn from Joseph? Well, one thing I can learn is it's very important that in my everyday life, I walk right with God. Because God has something for me, and I may not see it today, but I can delay it if I'm not obedient. I need to walk with the character that he has called me to. And You know, one of the things that strikes me about Joseph is at the point of his greatest pain. Now think about that. Think about what it would be like, someone that you loved deeply, someone that you cared about, someone that you had spent your life thinking that one day I will have a good wife, a, a loving wife, a wife that will love just me. And you found out she was with child. And before the dream came, he decided, I'm going to put it, put her away quietly. And that doesn't mean put her away, like away. It meant I'm going to release her. And you know why I think he thought that in part? Because I think Joseph looked at his betrothed and said, if you love somebody else enough that you've given them your body, then I'm releasing you so you can give them your life. The Bible says he went to sleep. The Bible says that God spoke to him. And in this case, we see a record of not once or twice, three times, four times. God speaks to Joseph in dreams. It says in Matthew 1 that The angel of the Lord came to him and said, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Because you see, here's something you need to know about Joseph. He knew God's voice already. You need to know, Joseph already knew what the voice of the Lord sounded like. He had walked with him. He loved him. And when he was asleep one night, a dream came and the angel of the Lord spoke to him and said, Joseph, don't worry about Mary This is not a child that's being born from any man. Her heart's not being given to another. This is a miracle of God. The Holy Spirit has come upon her, and she is going to have the child that is the Messiah. And you're going to call his name Jesus. He accepted Mary. He married Mary. And he did what the angel of the Lord spoke to his heart by calling his name Jesus. What's interesting is within about two years, right after the wise men had come, the Bible says in Matthew 2, 13, that Joseph, again, is dreaming. And the Bible says in it, the angel of the Lord said, get up, he said, take the child and his mother, escape to Egypt, stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up and took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt where he stayed until the death of Herod and so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet out of Egypt, I have called my son. And while they were in Egypt, the Bible says there came a day where there was another dream. The angel of the Lord spoke again, and this time in Matthew 2, 19, after Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, get up, take the child and his mother, go to the land of Israel, for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he took or he got up and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And having been warned in a dream, another dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee and went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So what was fulfilled was what was said through the prophets, he will be called a Nazarene. And you know, there may be a part of you that might say something like this. You know, if God would just speak to me in dreams, I'd be better at obedience. If God would just do dreams, I'd be all over that. I just wish God would give me a dream, give me a dream, and then I would be obedient. But here's the thing. I will tell you this. If you don't obey God in what you already know, you wouldn't be any faster even if he sent an angel and told you to do it. You see, we think about the dream, we think about how amazing it would be for God to speak to us in a dream. But here's what you need to understand. God expects us to be obedient based upon what he has already told us. Listen, you want to hear from God? I've got a book here I can help you with. And you need to know that speaking to us in dreams is an exception, not the rule. And what I've discovered is people are always attracted to the unusual. They they would love to have somebody that would be able to say to them, hey, I've got a word of knowledge for you. This is what you're to go do. Listen, listen. If what you think you're supposed to do doesn't line up with exactly with what God's word says, it's wrong. You have a dream about something, and it doesn't line up with God's Word. That's just bad pizza. And I know, I know that we live at a time in which I have friends that are overseas in closed countries that literally are having people that have come to Christ where They have had dreams where they have seen the appearance of Christ come to them and call them to salvation. But there was no Bible there. There was no preacher there. There was no one there. It was somebody just crying out to God, God, I want to know you. And God revealed himself in that way. That was an extraordinary circumstance. And I could talk to you about how you hear God and how you can discern the will of God. But I will tell you again, if you don't, do what's clear. Don't expect to hear God in the unclear. You know, I'm still having people talk to me about that message I did. I shared with y'all a few weeks ago about baptism and about how important is it to be baptized. And I, I just want you to hear something from my heart because I had somebody say, are you telling me that if I don't get baptized, I can't take the Lord's Supper? And my response is, of course you can take the Lord's Supper. As long as you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, as long as you've accepted the Holy One of God into your heart, asked Him to forgive your sins, to come into your life, and to become your Lord and Savior, and you've trusted in Him, you're welcome at the Lord's table. What you have to deal with, though, is this. If I know what the Word of God says, and I'm coming to the table of the Lord, in which it says I'm to examine myself before I take of the bread and the cup, if I know I have purposeful disobedience in my heart, do I not need to deal with that? The Bible says, how can two walk together unless they're in agreement? And I'm gonna tell you right now, you don't need to worry about the dreams you're having. What you need to be concerned about is the clarity of God's word, which he is revealing. He wants you to know him. He wants you to hear his voice. Joseph didn't just hear his voice, though. Look at something else about Joseph's life. Joseph was immediate in responding to God's direction. Not one time in the life of Joseph does God speak to him that he doesn't immediately obey him. Not one time. Every single time he was quick to obey Illustrate. It reminds me of what's found in James chapter 1. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he, lo- but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, excuse me, and is not forgetful here, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Now I want you to think about Joseph with me. Somebody who walked right with God, somebody that knew how to hear God, somebody that was quick to obey God. And and as I was going through this passage this week and, and praying through this message, I had to ask myself, God, where am I struggling when it comes to hearing you or or walking right with you or hearing you or being willing to be immediate in my response? God, is there anything that keeps me from hearing you clearly? Lord, is there anything that Is in the way of me walking right before you? God, is my obedience just occasional or is it intentional every single day? I, I, I don't know about you, but here's what I've learned. The Lord is always ready to forgive me when I've been disobedient. He is always ready when my heart is truly repentant to pull me to him and to love me and to restore me. But until I'm ready to say yes to the last thing he told me, he's often just waiting for me to say, Roger, it's time to obey me. So I want to ask you where you are today. Are you at a place where there's things that you're wondering about, that that you're concerned about, that that you're asking questions about? And if there are, is it possible that part of what is happening with you is the Lord is just drawing you in and saying, "Would would you be like Joseph and first focus on walking righteously with me? Would you focus on learning to hear me? And would you be ready to obey me the moment you hear what I ask you to do? Will you bow your heads with me? As our heads are bowed, I just want to ask you where you are today in your journey with God. Perhaps you've never embraced Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and that's the very first place to start. And if you don't know Jesus you can today. It's, and you can pray a prayer like this prayer. As a matter of fact, you can pray this with me right now. Dear Jesus, I need you. Please forgive me of my sin. I'm sorry that I have hurt you. And I ask you to forgive me, to come into my heart, be my Lord and Savior. I exchange my life for yours. I embrace you now in Jesus, your holy name. And if you've prayed that prayer today for the first time, I would love to get to talk with you. Or if you still have some questions and you would say, but I've got some questions about how to really know God, then we want to visit with you. But perhaps you're here today and you've realized that, man, I, I've got to, I've got to be more faithful because I need to hear the Lord. I need to hear God's voice. I need to be in his word or. I'm slow in obedience. It's time for me to step up and to be quick to obey. I I don't know for sure what's happening with you, but I do know this. We have a Lord who loves us and a church family that will support us. And so in a few moments, I'm going to pray. And then before we stand or as we stand, our our deacon prayer teams will be coming here to the front as well as the balcony. And we want to be available to pray with you. But whatever the need is, God wants to minister to your heart. So, Lord, here we are. Here we are, mindful, mindful, Lord, that we belong to you. Mindful, Lord, that you have called all men to salvation. That you called all of us to say, Jesus, come, be my Savior. That all of us have been called. And, Lord, I pray that today there be evidence of that next step of obedience for father for some it might be that step toward obedience and follow the example of your son and the example of these students as they were baptized father for others that next step of obedience may be within their family or their workplace or in their neighborhood I don't know where it is Lord but I know this you have spoken to hearts may they say yes to you as we pray in the holy and precious name of Jesus our Lord amen